Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. We live in a world that wants to be free, so people are often confused when we say that freedom comes from obeying God. How can submission result in freedom? Well, today in our message, we are going to address this challenge as we continue our series titled The Journey with Message 18, which is titled Living the Journey Part 2. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. Amen. Praise the Lord. Saints, I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. Over time, if you don't take care of your lawn, weeds grow. <laughs> Amen. If you don't pay attention, you'll be minding your own business. You say, man, I just, I put some weed feet on there and I feel good about it. And I'm driving through the town and I get home and look up and say, where did weeds come from? I thought I treated those things. (laughs) Well, then you realize, man, I treated them back in, in 2005 and I haven't treated them since. Weeds continue to grow. Because weeds are in the earth. Amen? And because they're in the earth, they're going to come up. And I don't care how well you take care of your stuff, there's a weed under the ground just waiting to ruin your lawn. (laughs) Well, that's how sin is. It's in the fabric of the earth. And it will crop up if you don't pay attention. Amen? That's the way unbelief is. Unbelief will, is in the earth. And if you're not paying attention, unbelief will crop up in your well-manicured lawn. Amen. And your well-manicured lawn is your life. And it's the journey your life is on. Amen. So while you may take good care of many things, you also have to be conscious of dealing with those things that slip into your life that want to draw your attention from God. You have to deal with those things that start to let vain imaginations crop up in our mindset so that those things become greater than God who's in us. Amen? Amen. Because the Satan that we understand is not an all-knowing being. He is a created being. And so sometimes we have started to believe that the Christianity that we live in is similar to the philosophy of yin and yang, that there is light and darkness, that there is good and evil, and that they dwell together in parallel, and that they work together to maintain the, the universe so that there's not total chaos. Right? So that's sometimes, that thinking has sometimes slipped into our thought process. That good and evil are equal. Amen? But they're not. See, good and evil in the Christian way of looking at life is that God is the eternal. And good and evil is not measured by actions. Good and evil is measured by the presence of God or the lack of the presence of God. So to understand the measure in the kingdom, measure in the kingdom is good is where God is. Evil is where he's not. Because God is the God of all, which means in order for there to be evil, there has to be a space in which God is rejected. (laughs) Amen. See, sin in our life rejects God from our life. That's why when we're born, we're born in a sin nature, we're born without God. Because the sin nature in us, whether conscious or unconscious, rejects the presence of God. <laughs> Amen. I want, you to, I want you to understand some foundational things. Because we have to understand these to grasp what we're going to get to. When I share with you, I, I told you, I was praying that day, and I told God, whatever. Whatever. I'll do whatever. What that meant was, 
is that when I choose not to do whatever, I'm inviting darkness. Here's the problem. I made God a promise and God said, good. That's the promise I want from your heart. From your heart, I want you to say, I want you in my life. But now that I'm in your life, don't reject me out of your life, son. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Now that I'm in your life, don't push me out of your life. Because I'm eternal. I see the beginning from the end. And because I see the beginning from the end, if you hearken to my voice and you follow and walk with me, then you'll always be in the center of my will. Amen. You see, when I'm in my house, I don't need protection from the rain. Because the house is the protection. (laughs) Amen. When I'm outside the house, I need a coat, and I need an umbrella, and I need all kinds of artificial things to protect me from the rain. But when I'm in the house, The house is the protection. Amen. See, when you're in Christ, you're in the house. And when you're in Christ, you are protected. Amen. When you slide out of Christ, you got to find an umbrella. (laughs) Amen. When we're not in him, we got to find something to protect us. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes obeying God is not comfortable. Sometimes obeying God makes you second guess your walk with God. Amen. I, I, I talked to somebody one day, and this was years ago, and they said, you know, I, I'm just afraid if I say yes to God that God's going to make me do dot, dot, dot. I said, so why do, you th- why do you think if you say yes to God, he's going to go out of his way to make you do something you don't want to do? <laughs> because that's how sometimes we think about God. Sometimes we think about God, that God, obeying God, is going to cost us the ultimate misery. I'm, I'm, come on, y'all, come on, let's be real. Sometimes we believe obeying God is going to cost us that ultimate misery. Because we believe sometimes, because sometimes our religious background has taught us this, is that suffering is automatic. And that if you ain't suffering, you ain't serving. Now, suffering is part of the Christian life. But you don't suffer because you serve. Amen? <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going to have to just give you all the word and let you all grasp this because I I'm, I'm, want you to really dig here. 1 Kings chapter 17, and I'm going to begin at verse 8. Okay, I'm looking at my notes like it's there in any of my notes. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, and this is Elisha the prophet. Excuse me, it's Elijah the prophet. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. So the very first thing is, is that the prophet gets instructions from God to go somewhere. You're going to have to go. Right? Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Amen. That's everybody's fear. God's going to make you pack up and go somewhere you don't want to go. (laughs) See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. See, here's the other piece of thing you've got to understand. When God tells you to go somewhere, he's sending you there to be provided for. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> God never sends you anywhere without provision. Amen. 
we started this church with 480-something dollars, right? 480-something dollars. And I don't want to get, I don't want to get personal, but we, uh, when we started, we had limited income with our core team. And so even the thought of everybody tithing wasn't realistic at the time. So we were like, okay, well, we got this little handful of people and we got to start here. So what are we going to do? God says, God said, Go. So we're going to go. God said move. So we said we got to move. He said go from here to there. And I'm going to do something to provide for you. But he didn't tell you what. He just said he was. So you got to go from where you are. And go somewhere else. And do what you're going to do. Another man I know started church a year before us. He said, he said, yeah, man, we were waiting until we had $100,000 to start. I said, what? I said, $400? Are you, you, you were waiting until you got $100,000 to start? <laughs> Just to give you all some context to that $400. <laughs> Amen. Listen close. Verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. Now, he told him a widow was going to provide for him. And then he walks in, and sure enough, just like the Lord said, there's the widow gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, "Uh, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Then she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. The gathering of sticks is so that she could cook it. No ovens back in the day. You got to gather sticks, start a fire, and you got to cook whatever you cook Right over it, right over it. She said, I just got enough flour and enough oil to make something for me and my son. And then after we eat that, that's all we got. And we're going to die after that. We're going to starve to death after that because we have nothing else. But I want you to look at what happens here. Verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go And do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, you make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah and she and her household ate for many days. Amen. Listen, here's what I'm, I, w- I want to get to you today. We're talking about living the journey. And living the journey sometimes means that you have to walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes, li- sometimes living the journey means that you know, I got enough to make this and that's, the, that's a wrap. That's, a, that's it. And you got to know that if God is with us, he will provide for us. Amen. So we can't let our pressures in our life overwhelm us to the point where we then forget that God has us in him so that we're not trying to find an umbrella outside of him. Amen. 
it was storming one day, and I, decided, I had this bright idea I was going to catch Bart so I wouldn't be stuck in the rain in the car. That was the stupidest thing I've, one of the stupidest things I've ever done. I'm going to catch Bart so I'm not driving in the rain. So I get to, I, so I got my coat on, and I got my umbrella, and the wind is blowing, and I'm up on a raised platform with the wind sweeping across, right? And all the people, all the people, there's a little bitty overhang, right? Just a little teeny tiny overhang. So all the people are lined up just to be under the overhang. And so we're all lined up here, and the wind is blowing, and my umbrella, you know, I ain't my, I'm too tall to carry an umbrella. Because the only thing that's dry is my head. Everything else is getting wet. The water is just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, all it does is keep my face dry. And I've been just as well taking off my glasses and just standing there and let it hit me. Amen? So I'm already agitated because the, the rain is coming down. My umbrella's going crazy. I'm still getting wet. We're all standing here trying to get under this underhang. And they have, and on the BART, they have the little yellow thing here, which tells you that's where the train is going to stop. And the doors are going to open right here. But because that's in the rain, all the people are standing back here. And there's a line of people because it's in the morning. It's commute time. And so I'm standing there. I'm the second person here. And we're standing there waiting. Here comes the train. So here comes some lady. She's going to walk past the whole line. And as soon as the door opens, she gets in. And I'm agitated and I'm mad. And I caught the train because I didn't want no stress. But now I'm stressed. And so she gets in, and, and I end up sitting across from her. And people are complaining. They're just saying stuff to each other. And finally, I'm sitting across from her. I say, why did you do that? <laughs> she said, well, well, the thing is there. People should, I said, it's raining outside. Why did you do that? She said, because if people should have just stepped up. I said, do you understand what social order is? I said, social order is when we all make a social agreement that we're going to stand in line and people don't cut the line just because they got an opportunity to go in there. Well, you should have just stepped up. I said, listen, I'm the biggest man on this train. I said, if I wanted to cut the line, I'll cut the line and won't nobody do nothing about it. I'm, I'm now, I'm too, I'm, I'm going too far. I'm going too far. I'm going too far, right? That's called social order. I said, I resist doing that even though I could do it if I wanted to. Because I'll be quiet a long time, but if I get agitated. Uh-oh, she's blinking at me. That means keep moving. Amen. If you allow yourself false protections, you will step out of the protection of God and you'll put yourself in compromised situations. God didn't tell me to go catch the bar train. I had a great idea to catch the bar train. And I got on the bar train and I got myself into trouble fussing on the train. Fussing on the train. Now, the good thing is I was talking about social order. So if security came, I would have said, I'm just talking a heated discussion about social order. So don't try to arrest me today. <laughs> I'm all for order. Amen. But I could have just easily been fussing too much and they came and got me. Is there a problem, sir? No, it ain't no problem. I'm just mad. Oh, sir, you're going to have to get off the train. No, I'm not getting off this train. I got to work. Now we got a problem. Right? So sometimes obedience is better than sacrifice. As a matter of fact, all times obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen? So we want to understand, how do we obey God? How do we hear God's voice? How do we put ourselves in position to stay in Christ and obey so that even if a prophetic word comes to us and gives us instructions that seem like they shouldn't work, if it's from God or not? Because this woman had a man of God come to say, look, I know you're about to eat your last meal, but make me a cake first. <laughs> really? <laughs> you, the Lord told you that? Yeah, the Lord told me. Oh, he didn't tell me that. <laughs> he told me to eat this cake and hope for tomorrow. Amen. <laughs> 
Amen. But how do you hear the voice and discern the voice of God in those moments so that you know it's God? Because Jesus is minding his own business fasting and Satan comes to him and begins tempting him. But he knows who it is. And he's able to quote him the word of God back so that he doesn't get tempted and drawn off of what God says. And so the first way you're going to know how to know and understand the voice is, is this the word of God coming to me? Amen. Is this God's word coming to me? If it's God's word coming to me, then I know I'm going to trust in the word. Amen. So that means when I get in difficult situations and I don't know what I'm going to do, I have to go back to the word and I have to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to let you speak and I will do what you say. Amen. Amen. I'm going to do what you say. And so I was sitting stressing once again because I'm like you. Imaginations come to me. They try to get me over consumed. And so I'm sitting there trying to think about trying to figure something out. Well, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out because I'm a problem solver. I can solve a problem. Yeah, you are. But you need to listen to the Lord. You need to listen to God. And so I'm trying to solve my problem, trying to solve it, trying to figure it out. Something I'm dealing with at work. I'm trying to, so- I'm trying to figure it out. And the Lord said, you don't have to figure it out. You have to do what I told you to do. Okay, but I don't want to do that. But you're going to do that because you told me you would do whatever you what I asked. So here's this woman faced with having to do what God speaks to her through the man of God. And she's got to make a decision. Do I deny my instinct, which says just make this cake and ignore this man? Or do I obey the word and actually Let God do a work in my life. She makes a choice to let it work. And the word says in verse 15, so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and she and her household ate for many days. In other words, she was going to make one cake and be done with it. God said, no, I'm going to make, now that you've obeyed me, I'm going to actually work in your behalf. Let me tell you something. You can't even hear from God until you have made a decision to obey. You can't even hear God until you have made a decision to obey. Amen. If you haven't decided to obey, you ain't hearing God. I'll tell you right now. Amen. Because he's already said something that if you haven't obeyed, you're looking for another answer and you won't hear his voice. Amen. Amen. Listen, listen. Yeah, go to Isaiah 6. Let's do it that way. Yeah, there we go. Isaiah 6. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, Isaiah has been a prophet. He was called to be a prophet from the time he was a young man. He was not necessarily from a highly sophisticated family. And so here he is, uh, assigned by God and told by God, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. And so sometimes we try to figure out how am I going to be a prophet to the nations when the people across the street don't know who I am? Amen. How am I going to do this? How am I going to, how is this ever going to happen? Because that you don't need people across the street to know you. You need God to know you. Amen. When God knows you, God will get you in front of the right people. Amen. Amen. God. <laughs> Again, we were going through our file cabinet last night. And so I pulled out an old letter. From my old, old company, my public agency company, where the director of the organization had written me a, personally written me a letter with his signature on the bottom telling me what great I did, what great work I did, and how he was getting ready to give me a 10% raise with some retroaction on it. I was like, man, public service is good. <laughs> Amen. Y'all that don't work in public service don't know what I'm talking about, but I said, praise the Lord. But why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because I didn't work for him. I worked for somebody else in the organization, but he knew who I was. And he gave me a raise. (laughs) He didn't have my boss write the letter. He wrote the letter. The director of the organization wrote me a letter. Why? Because if you serve the Lord and you go where God tells you to go, he will make sure you get what you need to have. 
men will know you who you are. Your gifts will make room for you and then bring you before great people. Why? Because that's God's covenant with us. Amen. When you make a covenant with somebody, you're making an agreement that you're both determined to follow. Amen. So we have what we call the old covenant and the new covenant. Amen. The Old Testament and the New Testament, right? A testament is a will. So the New Testament is the will of God. And the Old Testament is the old will of God. Amen. So we're reading here the old will of God from the Old Testament about how God will work. God said, I will send a prophet to somebody and I will speak a word and they will hear that word. And if they obey the word of prophets, hear the word of prophets, they will prosper. Amen. (laughs) But if they don't heed the words, then they're outside the house. Amen. Isaiah chapter six. Look at this. In the year, verse one, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim on each side, and excuse me, and each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, and two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So Isaiah is a prophet. He sees a vision of God and the vision is so real that he's, he, he's feeling it shaking. He's hearing, hearing this voice of an angel crying so loud that the angel's voice is shaking the house. So sometimes we read that and think it's God talking. This wasn't God. It was the angel announcing God that was shaking the house. Amen. It's who God created was shaking the house. And now God is showing up. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen, land, y'all. Now, I'm not even moving forward. I need y'all to receive that. I need y'all to receive the fact that what he's seeing in the vision is how glorious God is. He's he's in a vision and the angels are shaking the houses. The thing that was created is shaking the house, and here comes the creator. (laughs) Amen. Come on. Come on, y'all. Ooh, Lord. You need to understand your God is so great, but our old wineskin will prevent us from seeing his glory. The things that we have in our minds, the things that we have that are blocking, the things that we're processing, they're stopping us from seeing God in all of his glory. And understanding that all of that glory is then housed on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Verse 4. The posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In other words, I saw him and I felt condemnation immediately. Because of his glory. We believe God is invisible, but his attributes are clearly seen. The attributes of God are seen all over. If you go outside tonight and you look up in the sky, you're going to see God's attributes. You're going to see the work of his hand on display. Amen. If I take, if I take you out to a, a San Pablo Dam that you drive past all the time, don't think anything of it, and we turn on the dam and let the water roar out, you're going to say, man, there's a God out here. Amen. When you see that water moving and you say, man, that's God's creation, it will overwhelm you. you say, man. If I brought a grizzly bear in here and had him stand up on his feet, you say, man, there's a God in here, and I'm about to get out of here before God's creation come at me. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All of God's creation is on display. And when you think about it, you see how glorious it is. We get caught up on man-made things and what man makes. But the glory of God is greater. And we judge ourselves by what man creates. And we judge what we do and how we operate and how we flow by what God creates. But there is a reality that we get cheated out of when we don't really receive the, the trueness of the glory of God. And when we get in difficult situations and we're at battle with things, if we don't receive and behold that glory, then we will think our problems are bigger than our God is. 
And so if we can't envision his glory, then when we get in trouble, we sure will bow down to whatever comes at us. It is critical that the believer be able to see this and say, man, God's glory is filling the temple. Because otherwise, when problems come at you, they will always look bigger than God. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Verse 6. One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said... Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. See, the first thing is acknowledging the glory of God. And when you acknowledge the glory of God, you realize that you are not qualified to be in his presence. Amen. But then once you can acknowledge that you are not qualified to be in his presence, he comes and he does what only he can do. He comes and lifts your iniquity, and cleanses your sin. Amen. Lifts your iniquity and cleanses your sin. We live in a world right now that doesn't want iniquity forgiven. It doesn't want sin to be talked about or mentioned. We live in a world where people want to ignore the realities of our world. And we want to act like nothing is there. We want to deny the f- struggles that we have. We want to deny the problems that we have. We want to deny that anything might be our fault. And so people, I know people make a very good living telling people that their problems are somebody else's authoring. Every problem that I have came because somebody did something to me. But the fact of the matter is that's not true. Our problems are centered around one thing and one thing only, and that is the sin nature that we're all born with. And most problems that we have in our life, in fact, all problems we have in our life are the impact of your sin nature or the impact of someone else's sin nature bleeding onto you. Amen? Amen. But the church has forgot about that. The church has forgot about that reality. And so we don't even recognize that when God's glory is here and God is actually cleansing us that we have received something. We can't preach the gospel if we don't know the gospel. We can't deliver the gospel to others if we, don't, we haven't even received and accepted the gospel. We haven't accepted the fact that God himself has forgiven my sin. God himself has washed me. God himself has cleansed me. If we don't even receive that, then what, we don't have anything good news. And we have to then shift from good news to good works. Come on, y'all. Come on. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creatures. He didn't say, go do any good works. He said, you were created to do good works. You ought to do those because you're created to do them. But your mission is to go and preach the good news. Amen. Good, good works are things that come out of you because of how you were created. But that's not the good news. The good news is you can be redeemed from whatever you have. When we were worshiping today, we said, hey, release the condemnation. You got to believe it to receive it. Amen. You've got to accept the fact that God actually, number one, that you have condemnation. Number two, that God is willing to take it off of you. Amen? You'll be willing to receive the fact that God has something for you. And no matter how long you've been a Christian, there's more that God wants to do in your life. No matter how long you've been a believer, it doesn't make any difference. God still has stuff he's mining and burying and pulling out of you. Amen? Come on, y'all. Come on. This man looks and he sees the glory of God and he's overwhelmed. And he said, it's, it's, uh, it's a wrap for me because I'm not supposed to be in God's presence. Amen. Verse 8. He was cleansed and then he heard the voice of the Lord. Saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? First step in your journey with God is your redemption. And the redemption includes the recognition of who God is, the fact that God has brought 
into our lives the lifting of our iniquity and the, and the ramifications of our iniquity. And he's given us something to burn off sin. This is an Old Testament picture of the New Testament reality of Christ. That when we recognize our sinfulness, he sends a coal. He sends something that can burn off the iniquity from us. He sends something that can wash us and purify us totally. Amen? Totally purified. Totally healed. Totally made whole. Amen? Then, it's a picture of God's mercy. In that when he recognizes he should not be in the presence of God, he doesn't drop over. Immediately, God sends the angel to him to do something about his condition. So God's mercy is on display that God is not a condemner. God is a healer. And the problem with people trying to preach the gospel sometimes right now is that they're too busy preaching condemnation that they're not preaching that God is a healer. They're not preaching the fact that God will heal us of our afflictions, that God will see us for where we are and not condemn us, but actually bring healing into our lives. The second thing is that the calling is put out for us to hear. But I want you to look closely at the passage. It said, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? The most significant thing you need to know about this passage is God was not talking to Isaiah. See, I'm having this moment with God, praying, and I say, whatever you want me to do, whatever, whatever, whatever. Whatever you want me to do. I didn't get an answer that day. But I've been getting answers ever since. And the answers I always get is I'm minding my business walking around and I see something God needs to do. And he said, will you go for me? And I have to say, yes, I'll go. When you're minding your own business and you're walking around and you see something and you say, man, something needs to be done about this. Why do I see this and nobody else sees it? Why is everybody else walking by this? It's because God is saying, who will go for me? Who will go for us? Who will go where we need somebody to go? And sometimes we see that the immediate thought is going far. But sometimes going is going right here. And and praying for this person and engaging them with the gospel, with the good news, asking them, what can I pray for you for? What's going on for you? How are you doing today? You doing well? I'm good. Good. All right. Good news. All right. My work is done. Unless the Holy Spirit says, now go back and tell her, you know that thing you wouldn't tell me? The Holy Spirit says he's got it. So what am I doing now? I'm trying to obey God. Do you remember we talked about there's different kinds of gifts? So we think about all the gifts that operate and we think, oh, oh, look at this and look at that. Look at these fivefold people doing all this stuff. That's great. But you know what? Most of the ministry that happens doesn't happen from the pulpit. Most of the ministry happens when you're sitting next to somebody talking to them. Most of the ministry in the world happens. Let me ask you a question. How many of you gave your life to Jesus? You were sitting in a service and somebody preached such an awesome message that you were compelled to stand up. When you had never heard the gospel before, walk down the aisle and say, yes, today I get saved. How many of y'all was that your experience? Okay. 
How many of y'all gave your life to God because somebody was sitting down talking to you about Christ or your grandmother had been praying for you or somebody in your life had been working with you or talking to you or ministering to you? How many of y'all got saved because of that? And how many of y'all was just born saved? <laughs> Amen. See, who will go for us doesn't always mean who's going to go to the other end of the world. Sometimes who will go for us means who's going to go to your job tomorrow. (laughs) Amen. Who's going to show up at East Bay Mud tomorrow? Who's going to show up at wherever you work? Who's going to show up and be there for God? Sometimes it means who's going to go to Garnett Drive? Who's going to go to this street over here? Who's going to go to Tennessee Street? Who's going to go over here? Or who's going to go over there? Who will go for us? Who can I send? But see, God can be willing to send you and you're not willing to go. And what did God get? Then now God's got to drag you somewhere. Amen. Amen. Now, it is important to note what Isaiah's answer is. Here am I, send me. And he said, this is God now talking, go and tell this people. God was just talking until Isaiah responded. Isaiah did not get any instructions from God until he said yes. Amen? Oftentimes, people say, hey, I'm just trying to seek the Lord. I'm trying to find out what God's saying. I said, well, say yes, and then he'll tell you. Amen. Say yes, then he'll tell you. Amen. Go to, uh, let's see. Go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're going to go to verse 8. John 10 verse 8. Verse 8 says, all who ever, this is Jesus talking, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more uh, Abundantly. Okay, here's what you have to understand. So we're worshiping today. The Holy Spirit says we're going to do something new. So we move in a flow with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves. But there's something that will happen when we open the door for him to move. And that is the thief will come. The thief will come. And see, in the, in the passage that we read earlier, when Elijah is asking the woman, make me a cake. If she doesn't obey him, the thief will come. Mm-hmm. See, if she just hears him and doesn't do what he asks, then what's going to happen is the thief is going to come because what has happened is it appears that Elijah is going to there to be cared for. But in reality, God sent Elijah there to make a provision for her. See, God said, Elijah, I need you to go. And I've told a widow that she's going to, I've prepared a widow to provide for you. So he tells him, be obedient, 
go where I'm telling you to go. And when you get there, your provision will be taken care of. Amen. Amen. But what he doesn't understand or he's not conscious of is that when he gets there, then the Lord spoke to him and he spoke provision to the person who is supposed to be providing for him. Amen. Amen. So God is not going to put you out to help somebody else and not take care of you. Amen. 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 But it, it rests on recognizing that your point of decision, there is a thief who is waiting to steal, to kill, or to destroy what God has tried to give you in order to bring you life. Yeah. And you have to understand that there's always a thief there. Amen? Walking down the street one day, and I looked up, and there was a sign on the wall that said, Don't feed the thieves. Don't feed the thieves. In other words, put your stuff in your trunk. Don't leave stuff in your car. Don't give the thieves an opportunity. Amen? So I'm telling you, don't feed the thieves. There's a thief trying to get into your life to take your stuff. There's a thief in your life trying to break up your relationships. There's a thief in your life trying to take stuff away from you, trying to keep you from opportunities, to keep you from where you're called to go. That thief is there, and don't feed him. Amen? Make him go home hungry. Make him go get a job. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. I'm not talking about human thieves. I'm talking about that evil spiritual thief. Amen. Make him go get a day job. Amen. He got nothing because I'm going to obey God. He can't steal from me because I'm going to obey. And sometimes we start believing that the enemy can steal from us and he cannot steal. Because the word says this, if a thief be found, he's got, he has got to repay sevenfold. Amen. So God's not putting up with thieves, but we got to stay in the house. Amen. Come on. Stay where God wants us to be. Be where God wants us to be. And when we're in that place, the thief cannot steal. Amen. Now I might see a thief trying to get in my window and decide I'm going to give him something. But that's different from him stealing from me. Amen. This is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that you're on a journey in life and you're going to have to know the things that God wants you to do. Be ready to obey God. Ready to hear God's voice even when he's not talking to you. You're ready to hear God's voice because you hear it. Because you know something needs to be done. Something needs to be done. Okay, Lord, I will go. And when you say you'll go, he'll tell you how. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to use an example. So, one day I said, I need something. I said it from the pulpit. So CJ came to me and said, hey, pastor, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do something. I said, okay. So he stepped forward. And so I didn't give him any instructions. The Lord gave him instructions. Well. <laughs> and so now we have these video announcements because, what? God showed him what to do. Amen. God didn't show him that ahead of time. God showed him when he said, I'll do it. And then God said, good. Now that you said you'll do it, let me download and show you how to do it. Let me give you a download and show you how to do what you made a commitment to do. (laughs) Amen? Amen. That's how God works. God's looking for us to say yes, and then he downloads. Amen. He downloads after we say yes. Amen. I used to say, I told, I I was dating this young lady. I said, I said, I'm going to be single forever. I said, cuz, I don't do relationships. I'm going to be single forever because I, I don't even know how to have a relationship. So I gave my life to Jesus. And then giving my life to Jesus, I'm minding my own business, serving the Lord. Because now I'm not going to think about nothing but serving Jesus. That's all I want. Keep my, I got my eyes on him. Yeah. I got my eye, That's all I want. But then... He sends somebody in my face. And he said, that's your wife. I said, but I ain't trying to find a wife. <laughs> I'm trying to find you, Jesus. That's all. I, yeah. But he sent somebody in my life. And now I've been married for 32 years. What is, what is that? Because when, when I said yes, then he started trying to, he started downloading to me. How to be a husband. 
how to, how to, how to, how to, how to be something that I was not trying to be before. But because I say I do whatever you want me to do, then when he sent this woman in my face, I knew he said it. So as soon as I knew he said it, I didn't need no more information. So I asked her to marry I asked her to marry me as soon as I knew God said it was her. Amen. Amen. I wasn't wasting no time. God said it's you. You want to do this or what? <laughs> Not quite like that, but uh <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now listen, why is that important? It's important because when you obey God and you don't hesitate, he will tell you what to do when you need to know. Sometimes we won't move until we know. And that's knowledge. That's not faith. Sometimes you need to just know God said it so you can step into it. Go make me a little cake. A cake? I just told you all I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. That's all I got. And I'm going to make that together and split a cake for me and my son to have. Now you want me to give you, big old burly man, a a cake? Yes. How's that going to work? The Lord said, if you do it, he will cause it to flow. It won't run out. Woo, come on. If you do it, it won't run out. What does that mean? It means you need to trust God and walk and do what he says. Amen. Amen. Do what he says. When you do what God says, he will flow. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened on the stage and we're going to close. What happened on the stage today is that the the worship team was holding back because they didn't know what to do. I said, God's going to give you a song. Okay. And we kept singing the song. We kept singing the song we were singing. And we just um, waited. When we stopped, now God's going to give you a song. Don't hold back. When he speaks, say something. And you know what he did? He took the one with the least musical experience and had her start flowing. Amen. 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 Why? Because if we listen to God, there's nothing he cannot reveal. There's nothing God can't move through us and do if we can listen to God and start getting ourselves to position to say, I know how glorious God is. And God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask or think about according to the power that works on the inside of me. It's not just in a book. It's in the Bible. And the Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And because I serve Jesus, I pull the revelation from him and I'm going to let God work through me and do what is impossible because with God, no thing is impossible. Amen. Amen. Now we can do that or we can let the thief come in and steal. Or we can let the thief come in and destroy what God really wants to do. Amen. Amen. I'm not letting him steal nothing from me. Amen. Amen. I'm going to catch him and I'm going to make him pay. Amen. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. We're going to make a declaration here. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, that's good for you, but that's not for me. I'm going to let you know that's the thief talking to you. You think, yeah, but I'm, that's, I'm, not, that, I'm, not, that, I'm not deep like that. Doesn't need, it doesn't require depth. It requires obedience. Amen. One of the most shallow Christians I know will obey God. <laughs> They're all about shallow life, but I tell you what, they'll obey God when he speaks. <laughs> Listen. We will not be able to impress this world with good works. Because the world's trying to do good works now. We won't be able to impress the world with kindness. Because they're trying to be kind. Amen. There was this uh, group of people. They were all kind of, um, we'll just say, left of center. 
And they had an agreement. They had an agreement. They had an agreement that whatever they do with other people, they wouldn't do to people in the room. In other words, they would go out and do stuff to people. But us in the room, we will never do that to each other. We got a code. We don't, we don't, we don't bother each other. We don't, we don't mess with each other. But everybody outside the box. They refer to it as honor among thieves. A bunch of thieves in the room, they can all put their phones on the table because they've agreed not to steal from each other. Now you go out that room, you put your phone on the table, it's gone. Anybody, sin nature or not, can make a code, make an agreement. But there's a desire for God for us to learn how to count on him and how to, how to, how to put ourselves in position to listen and be obedient to him without a, a sense of condemnation about whatever happened yesterday, but recognizing today is the day of salvation. Today's my day to be a new creation. Today's my day to walk in God's purpose for me. Today's my day to walk in love. Today's my day to be a disciple maker. Today's my day to let God's presence be on me and let God do miraculous things through my hands. Two weeks ago, I asked you to do something. I asked everybody to write on a post-it note three things. And I hope you still have your post-it note. Three things I asked you to do is number one, write down three names. Not three people that you want to pray for, but three people you need to pray for. Amen? So hopefully everybody has those and you are praying for those three people. If not, find yourself a post-it note and write those names down. The second thing I did, I asked you to do was then write down a cause. What is the cause that God has on your heart? What are you looking out and seeing? Is it a cause that's close to you? Is it a cause that's far from you? Are you just driving through Vallejo and saying, man, why is all this trash all over the city? Whatever you see, what's the cause? And when you've taken both of those things, I told you to write down the third thing, and that was worship. So take the names of people that you're praying for, the cause that God has put on your heart, that he's laid on your heart, and take those things before the Lord and worship him. And when you worship, he will speak to you. The way I began getting instructions from God was becoming an intercessor. And I would pray for others, and I would pray for others, and as I was praying for others, without always focus on myself, praying for others, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would start depositing things in me. And all of a sudden I would be at work and the gifts of the Spirit would just flow through me. I would be speaking a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, prophesying to people without even trying. I would just be doing, I'd just be talking and the Holy Spirit was moving through me. And the reason he was moving through me is because when I said yes to interceding for others, he started moving through me and making things happen through my life. And the more he did that, the more I got favor and, and, and unusual things would happen for me. And all of a sudden, God would provide for me because I was listening and flowing in his Holy Spirit. And then I stopped praying for stuff all the time. Then I just started going before the Lord and he would just meet my needs and I wouldn't even have to ask because he would see my needs and deal with them. Amen. I'd be minding my own business. I went for my evaluation one day and my boss just said to me, he said, you know what? You got you to gotta do this. And I thought she was coming across hard on me. And I walked out of the room and all of a sudden, exactly what she told me I needed was sitting outside the room waiting for me. I said, wow, are you kidding me? I grabbed it. I said, yes. I went with it. And next thing I knew, God just continued to move in my favor. And every time it would look like I was lacking or something was wrong, God would meet the need. But he met the need because I wasn't focused on the need. He met the need because I was focused on him. So if you don't have your posted, you need to do that. You need to write down the names of three people that you need to pray for. You need to write down the cause that God has laid on your heart. And you need to worship. You need to worship. And when you worship, you'll start finding out that Prophets will start coming to your door asking for things. Amen. You'll start seeing thieves when they are invisible to everybody else. Amen. You'll start identifying things and you'll start knowing what God's called you to do. You'll start seeing how to get the enemy out of the door before he destroys anything you have. Amen.
Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for these people today. I pray, Lord, that the Word of God and the Holy Spirit... Thank you for listening to today's message, which is part 18 of our series titled The Journey. And today's message was titled Living the Journey, Part 2. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.